Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Chicago. As always, you can connect with me on Twitter at OnStrategy1. That's the number one. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can also see all of the creative work and all of the, you can connect with all of our guests on our website at onstrategyshowcase.com. Hopefully everybody had a good week. This week's episode is a uh, a great example of what I, I, I say on the show here periodically, which is I don't necessarily do uh, showcases about famous campaigns. It is not always about the size of the brand, the fame of the brand, the uh, recognizable agency, et cetera that attracts me. It's just sort of really interesting and challenging strategy situations, whether it's for a small unknown client or a major global brand. So I encourage people from around the world to uh, reach out about what you're working on that you find really interesting. I am very open to having uh, conversations about picking some of these smaller brands that are just doing really interesting things, no matter the category. And today is an example of that, although I will say that it came to my attention when I saw the work myself recently. I think it was on some show that I was watching. It's for uh, Ladder Insurance. And Ladder Insurance is a sort of a digital pure play in the life insurance category. You and I may be familiar with the major players in life insurance. They might be the sort of Pacific Lifes and the Prudentials and uh, you know Nationwide. And these are brands, I'm not sure if they have an overseas presence, but they're brands that I'm familiar with here in the US. But there are also some uh, sort of digital pure plays. There's uh, Ethos, there's Haven, and there's Ladder. And I think, I don't know the regulatory backdrop around all of this and whether just because they're digital pure plays, they've done a workaround on some of the sort of historical requirements for life insurance, but they've been able to strip away a lot of the sort of messiness and the friction of the process of getting life insurance and have a far simpler way of applying for it. Their target tends to be a younger, maybe married couple, partners that may be uh, at various stages of life and they're considering the importance of life insurance. Their target is less the more mature individual. And I think that uh, makes a ton of sense for, for many reasons. Ladder got on my radar because of the uniqueness of their creative. I also then discovered in, in talking to them that they're also a great example of a brand that in its aspirations for growth is realizing that it has to go beyond performance marketing to be able to not only grow the category, uh, but to grow its own share. Ladder has been around for five years. Uh, by its admission, it's uh, by its own admission, it would uh, says that it's been very successful. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen any numbers, but I do appreciate the fact that they've recognized that just doing AdWord buys and search terms, uh, etc., has sort of a limiting effect on the their ability to grow, and that by their own admission, they need brand. And this is a campaign that's around building the brand. And then finally, the one thing that kind of blew my mind when I saw the uh, I saw the spot, really in many ways, was the reason I reached out was the tagline that this brand uses. Not only is the work unique, and you can see it on our website, and we drop it into the the uh, episode too, but the tagline is pretty pretty ballsy. It is life insurance so good they're going to want you dead, and it's based off of a great uh, consumer unlock that you're going to hear about during the conversation. It's a terrific creative campaign and a really great line. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Olivia Borgi, who is VP of Marketing at Ladder in Menlo Park, just outside San Francisco. And Chelsea Steiger is Creative Director at Fred and Farid in Los Angeles. Uh, I predict this is an agency we're going to hear a lot more about here in the US. So I hope you enjoy it. So it's great to have this brand on the show 
I saw the work a couple of weeks ago and I, it, it almost made me sit up in my chair literally when I saw it, because I was like, did that just happen? <laughs> because, you know, I have worked in, in conservative industries during my career and it is so incredibly refreshing to see something and to see a brand who recognizes that distinctiveness and memorability and work that is recognizable and connected with a brand is so critical. And, and, and I will, will share with the listeners how bold this is when we get to that point. But so I'm, I reached out and I'm excited to have uh, both uh, Olivia and Chelsea on the show to talk about the great ladder work. Thank you to both of you for joining. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. us. <laughs> We're excited to be here. Yeah, it's really, really great, great work. So first of all, um, tell me, tell me, um, uh, Olivia, tell me what is the story behind the name Ladder and, and mm-hmm. how long has Ladder been around? Yeah, we've been around for about five years. We started to issue policies in 2017. Um, and to tell you the story about the name, I have to tell you a little more about the problem that Ladder solves, uh, which is the fact that over 100 million uh, uninsured and underinsured Americans know that they need life insurance and they still don't go out and get the coverage that they need. And that's because, um, you know, the way that the industry has traditionally offered life insurance has fallen way behind modern consumer expectations. Like, you know, you and I can pretty much get anything that we want on our phone in five minutes. But with life insurance, uh, it still traditionally takes weeks. It involves paperwork and medicals. You know, people overestimate the price. Um, And one of the issues uh, is this kind of question of analysis paralysis. Before people even go out and try to get life insurance, they try to figure out how much coverage they should even get. So traditionally, you know, you buy a block of coverage, call it a million dollars, And that's what you're on the hook for paying if you don't want your policy to lapse for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Well, what's going to happen in the meantime is you're going to pay down your mortgage. You're going to start, you know, paying into your kids' college funds. You're going to need less and less life insurance. Um, And so that was one of our fundamental early product innovations is making sure that as life changes, you can actually decrease your coverage. So ladder down um, and save on premiums. And similarly, if you're going to have more kids, uh, if you're going to need, you know, buy a new house, if you're going to need more life insurance, you can apply for more. So it was just this idea that life insurance should be dynamic just the way your life is. Um, and it just illustrates how ladders just systematically try to remove any barriers to coverage to ultimately make sure families are adequately protected. No, oh, I love that. So it's laddering up and laddering down, depending yep. on where you are and what life stage you're in. Exactly. Oh, perfect. I love that. Um, now, um, when we look at the U, are you primarily in North America or the United States, or, or is there some geographic territory that you're in? No, we're in the U.S. in a, US, every right. state in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S., we're you know we're looking at major sort of 800 pound gorilla brands. <laughs> Whom you know? Who's out there that you guys compete against directly for life insurance? Yeah, it's such a great question because you know we we really compete with the incumbents, right? We we compete with the status quo, and we're really trying to modernize this great product at its core um, to make it accessible to to digital consumers. Um, but you know, on the brand side, what's what's really interesting is that 
there's really no brand, despite all those 800 pound gorillas that is known for life insurance. You know, if you go to a party and you ask someone to tell you, you know, what their favorite life insurance brand is, they're just going to look at you, uh, you know, without really understanding the question. Uh, And that's what was so excited, uh, exciting for me when I joined Ladder was just this opportunity to become the first beloved direct to consumer life insurance brand. And it's the reason we sought out Fred and Faree. So it, it, so is there literally just, is there nobody out there who focuses on life insurance? Are you guys the o- only one at this point? Oh, no. Focuses there, primarily on it. No, there are plenty of uh, companies that focus solely on life insurance. It's actually an incredibly fragmented market. Like what, um, what, what would be the names of a couple of them that are on your radar pretty consistent? Uh, you know, Pacific Life like would yeah. be some of the incumbents. You also have, um, you know, you have a, a few tech companies that are also trying to do what we do, you know, Bestow or Haven. Um, so, you know, we're, we're all here trying to um, take this huge industry that really hasn't seen much innovation in a hundred years uh, and bring it back into the modern age. Um, so, of course, I'm biased. Uh, I would uh, I would say that Ladder's approach is particularly unique there, um, you know, especially when it comes to to brand. But, um, yeah, no, there's a ton of us out there. There's just nobody that's really top of mind in the consumer's mind. So the, so the you mentioned, I think, Haven. And what was the other one you mentioned? The, um... uh, Bis- Bistow. Bisto, and so those are more sort of um, startups that are that are app-based startups. They're not necessarily the massive national infrastructure brands like the Pacific Life, right? Correct. Old, old school mm-hmm. brands. So I remember, um, I remember when I got life insurance. It was right after we'd started our family, so these things would be a little bit more important to me. I remember it being a laborious process. I had to have somebody come to my home. I had to fill out forms. I then had to. Uh, I didn't have to have a nurse come to my home, blood samples. Uh, I mean, the whole sort of uh, medical analysis. And then there was an, an offer for life insurance extended to me. Uh, it, is it no longer that way? No. Or are the steps are the steps the same? But is no, it just... No, you'd be surprised that that is that is how um, you know most companies still operate uh, in in today's age, and so you know it's it's really no surprise that people put it off and put it off because they don't want to go through the process. They think it's going to be too complicated, too long, too cumbersome. Um, so with ladder. Uh, you know, if you compare it to that experience with Ladder, you can basically apply online in, you know, less than five minutes. Uh, if you qualify, we'll give you an instant offer. So we'll tell you, hey, there you go. Here's your offer for life insurance. It's going to be X a month. And if you decide to accept it, you can click and you're covered. So you can go on our site and walk away with a policy within 10 minutes. So uh, no, which is- no, no blood work, no medical examination required if, if, you, if you fall out of the high risk indicators that, are, that I assume are in your questionnaire. Yep. So uh, if you get coverage for under three million, which you know the vast majority of people do, um, then you don't need to uh, undergo any any medical exam. We'll just ask you a few medical questions as part of our application. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. So cool. So uh, so so Chelsea, how does this brand get on the radar for the agency? When did it? When did it? Was it part of a pitch? It was. And Ladder reached out to us. We hadn't heard too, too much about Ladder Life Insurance before they reached out. Um, But the moment we did sort of our meet and greet session, 
um, it was clear that the team over there, Olivia, Casey, um, and the rest just felt like such a great fit for us. Um, they, to Olivia's point, uh, they knew that they they needed to be disruptive. They're competing against other bigger brands um, that have a ton of money um, going behind their, their media spend. So they wanted to do something that would be disruptive and stand out and, and get people to take notice. The brand wanted to be bold, obviously, but what was the challenge? Was this was this back in 2017, by the way, or was this earlier? Than no, that? no, this was so we we uh, I think won the pitch in about in March 2021. So uh, last year is when we got involved with the team, um, and it was less so to be bold, and it's more to just kind of you know cut the the brief from Olivia and the latter team was to really sort of cut through the noise um, of both big budget traditional competitors and sort of some of the similar insurer techs that Olivia mentioned earlier. Um, and to, to do this in a way that still made ladder sort of this desirable and aspirational um, sort of insurance purchase. So it's kind of marrying those two worlds where we needed we needed to to find something that was disruptive. Of course, we ended on on a route that had a bit more sort of uh, humor and levity to it. Um, and not to say that that was the only way to be disruptive, um, but it was a way for us to to. To stand out um, and do something that would would get people get people talking. So Olivia had had the brand done campaigns in the past that didn't work as effectively as you wanted them to. No. So what's really interesting, and and that's kind of uh, the reality of being a marketer at, at a startup is, uh, you know, what we live and breathe by is is what you call direct marketing or performance marketing, right? So it, it's those ads that are really focused on describing the product and the problem, um, you know, and, and stating how great the prices are. And you're really trying to elicit a, a immediate response from the consumer. And so we've been doing a lot of that and that has been working really well for us. We've been growing a lot. Um, but like I, I said earlier, I just saw this incredible opportunity, just greenfield for us to become that one beloved life insurance brand. And I knew that if we did, um, the benefits, the business would be enormous um, and not, you know, and not just the business, but the families that we would be able to get covered because we would finally put, you know, life insurance back, back on their minds uh, as a top of mind purchase. Um, so, you know, when you are at a startup trying to basically convince internally that, you need to start investing in brand and that's not going to be an ROI that you're going to measure in the same way on the same time horizon as easily as just being able to track clicks um, is, is, a, is a big discussion to be had internally. And I knew that if we were going to have any shot at even trying to do that, we needed to do it um, you know, on a relatively tight media budget, which meant the creative needed to be completely outstanding. How do you make that case and, and why was there was there kind of a dissatisfaction with the level of growth that you were experiencing and that you felt that you could really you could do something and you could see much higher levels of growth uh, or, or was something else going on and how did how do you convince yeah senior management yeah so it didn't come from um you know any dis- dissatisfaction around current growth but it came from being oriented towards the long term i'm very lucky to be working for founders who have a very big vision and want right. to build something that is going to yeah to 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 be the next big insurance company and in order to do that you need a brand to succeed right at some point 
Um, if all you do is invest in kind of short-term demand capture and you're not building um, this top of the funnel, you are going to get to a point where you're going to push yourself into higher and higher marginals. And, you know, you're not going to get this flywheel uh, going of, you know, creating demand and harvesting demand. So this was really about planting the, you know, planting the acorn today that was going to keep given, you know, five, 10 years down the line. So it was really about them uh, understanding that if you want to build, you know, a Titan, you need to start investing today. And that brand is not a cost. It is an investment um, that, you know, we needed to start thinking about in parallel uh, from all of our performance marketing programs. And I've got to think also, given the the unique nature of the creative in this case, that it's it's almost branded performance marketing, not from a clicks perspective, mm-hmm. but it's certainly, uh, it, it, it could be easily compared to others like Geico, where you could make mm-hmm. the case that they're really, it's performance-based marketing that's branded really well. Because yeah. you've created a device in, in terms of the dynamic in this family, which we'll get into in a little while, that really makes it, it creates a distinctive brand asset, right? I believe so, because there is an actual real brand promise um, to to the to the creative, right? We're not just being funny to be funny. I, you know, one thing that Chelsea and I talked about early on is, you know, if people end up watching our ad and just say, oh, that was a funny ad, what was it for again? Uh, we will completely have, have missed, yeah. uh, missed the mark, right? So when you say this is this is this is life insurance so good, right? That these things might happen. Uh, you are actually stating that there's something new in town. This is not your old traditional life insurance that's going to take you six weeks. Um, you know, the advertising is just as bold and innovative as the product is. And so there's a really strong brand promise behind the work, uh, which I do agree with you with kind of, you know, put it in the realm of branded performance. So Ch- at Chelsea, when 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 this all starts out, you you get some sort of a briefing. Um, what what's the briefing, and then how do you get to where you ended up? It's, it's, <laughs> it, what, you know, tell us a little bit about that journey because you you've had to have understood that there was an appetite for this from Olivia. It's tell us about yes. the backdrop to that. We, we did know that they want to be disruptive, that they need to cut through this noise. Um, so from the original briefing, we knew we needed to do something that, that would stand out. Um, and so we really, we started off first because this is a newer, newer category for us at the, at the LA office. Um, we started off by really just sort of researching how each of the other competitor brands to sort of understand the different creative strategies um, and also sort of tone of voice that each of these other brands were were sort of living in. And of course, it was a pitch. So um, when we approached the creative thinking, um, we we kind of went in with with a range of ideas. We actually had a lot of conversations um, internally with our strategy team, the account director team, our creatives, and just sort of like talking about life insurance and how life insurance sort of plays in each person's life in a different way. And it sort of, it led us to uh, this, this sort of uh, string of, of an idea, um, which was that it was often, uh, it, was, it was common for people as they were sort of starting to, to dive into the life insurance uh, world and starting to have conversations about getting life insurance, um, would joke around with their partners or family members or significant loved ones um, about 
taking the person out. It's it's sort of so <laughs> inherent um, to to it. And it's such a funny thing. I mean, it can be so heavy and daunting um, and, and kind of a dark topic to, to talk about. And so I think everyone craves to bring in that levity um, to, to the conversation. Um, and so it slowly became a thing of like, Oh my gosh, we, we totally did that too. We totally did that too. Um, and so we kind of, we started with that sort of string, string of an insight, which ultimately led us to, to the, the, the end line and the ultimate idea. And then we worked with, with Olivia and the latter team, um, to do further research, just to prove out this point beyond just our sort of internal, uh, uh, study that we oh, had done. Tell me, tell me about that, Olivia. So you you heard about this sort of this this unlock about couples who get life insurance joke about taking each other out. How did you react to that when you heard it? And then, and then <laughs> um, what what were the first things that you were thinking of? Yeah, I mean, if I go back to to pitch day, you know, as Chelsea said, the agency had a really wide array of ideas that were all you know on grief, and they're all great. And then then they had that one. Uh, and I just remember just laughing hysterically and I couldn't stop laughing at the idea. And of course, you know, part of me was like, oh, that was a really funny idea, but we're not, you know, there's no way we're ever going to be able to do that. So I, I kind of, you know, initially dismissed it a little bit and said, but, you know, this is definitely the agency we want to go with if they're able to, you know, come come to the table with this level of creativity grounded in a consumer insight wrapped into a brand promise. I was like, okay, these are our partners. <laughs> And then as the days went by, I just kept thinking about the idea and I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, and that just started to, you know, kind of activate my intuition that, man, if I can't get this idea out of my head, chances are, um, you know, our consumers won't be able to either. And we've really stumbled into something incredibly memorable. Um, and so, you know, we, we wanted to do our due diligence, uh, you know, at many, many stages along the process. Uh, but the first one was to indeed validate this incredible customer insight that uh, the, the Fred and Free team came up with. And so we actually surveyed, uh, I can't remember right now how many thousands, but it, it was, it was, a, it was a very robust survey um, of couples who have gotten life insurance and found out that almost one in two will spontaneously make that joke. Uh, you know, you'll be like choking on the soup and, and, you know, the husband will say, Oh, it's because I just, you know, I just got life insurance or, you know, one, <laughs> one of my colleagues said he got it on a boat. And as soon as he did, like his wife pretended to push him off the boat. So it's just this, it's just this thing we do. It's this inside joke. Um, and that's actually why I think makes this funny uh, is it's relatable. Um, but when you play out an inside joke, publicly, it's also a little surprising and a little shocking, right? And so it all just works really well um, to make the creative super memorable. And so how did you, how, how did your executive team react to the concept? Um, <laughs> how, how, I mean, and what were the questions that followed mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I think it really helped that we went into, you know, this agency search with a very clear goal. Um, and that's something that I had been talking about a lot internally is, hey, we're going to continue to do all the direct response performance stuff. We also need to start building brand awareness. And this is going to be a very different type of creative where the goal is not to get someone to come on our website and get a policy straight away. The goal is to get that person to remember the name ladder uh, when, when they think about life insurance. And you know, when you're doing per 
performance marketing, you're addressing maybe 10% of the people who might be ready to purchase right now, right? Versus with brand, you're really talking to the 90% who might not be ready today, but who will be ready tomorrow. Um, so the the criteria, if you if you would, was was already set as far as what this campaign was going to be, um, and I think that's also what helped me sell the actual idea, right? Because because we had our checklist, you know, I I knew it's like this needs to be really different, it needs to be memorable, it needs to have a uh, you know, it needs to be grounded in a consumer insight, it needs to have a brand promise, it needs to have legs if we want to continue to build on it. And, and this creative just imposed itself as like, check, 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 check. We, we've got it. And so now uh, we just need to go forth confidently. And I, I felt uh, just a high level of trust from, from our founders to make sure I was, you know, again, doing our due diligence along the way, validating things with consumer research, working with legal, uh, doing pre-testing with the creative. Once we launched, you know, making sure that, you know, we were doing brand lift studies to just make sure that this was received as we intended it to be. And, and the good news is that it was. Um, so yeah, I actually remember a conversation with one of our founders where I was kind of hesitating with another idea that was still good, but a little safer um, and he himself was like, do it, do the, like, what does your gut tell you? And, and he says, just, just do it. And so that's really rare <laughs> to be at a company, um, where people are, or understand that you have to, you know, if you want to be different by definition, you just have to do something that's a little out there. Um, and I think our, yeah, our, our exec team really got that. The category is so stoic mm-hmm. and, and, um, so conservative. Yeah. It it does in fact make life insurance just seem like this large daunting uh, topic that needs to be considered. Yeah. It's like it's like you it's like I feel like I have to talk to my parents about where I yeah. should get life insurance. <laughs> it's like exactly it's, right. It's kind of strange, but what this seems to do is it completely uh, diffuses any tension and makes it absolutely approachable, right? So so yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea tell me about you have this unlock of of this observation about human behavior about that you mentioned earlier about couples you know wanting to take each other out then take us inside the creative process and the concept developments where did you guys go to did you sort of end up producing the work that was in the pitch or did you keep iterating to get to where you ended up well it's 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 funny so we we had done the initial pitch and this this idea was in there pretty close to the first chapter that we ended up going with um some some small sort of subtleties that were were changed along the way it wasn't this sort of uh and olivia can attest it wasn't this sort of moment of like okay this is this is a one we're moving forward we're going into production it was definitely like there's we all have a really good feeling about this it's again it's it's based on this really strong consumer insight um but let's make sure that we do our due diligence to really sort of round out and, and explore all of the different ways that we can sort of live within this more sort of lighthearted uh, tone. We ended up, I mean, we did a, a number of presentations and, and circulated a, a few different ideas. And then we just kept coming back to that initial script. And we knew in, in sort of, we knew that it had legs. We knew that this sort of construct and this idea could turn into a series. Let's set it up for the listeners. So um, what's what's interesting is I want to play the spot, but I I thought you could maybe just describe it for, you know, maybe five or 10 seconds. So we'll set it up. 
Yes, of course. So in in the first chapter, uh, we see the dad come home. He arrives home. He's carrying his briefcase. And you see his wife. She's out front gardening in the front yard. (laughs) And you see the dad. He he walks by and he gives her a kiss on the cheek. It's like very light, sunny. He, He has a smile. He's whistling, sort of a pep in his step. Um, as he enters the front door and we cut back to the mom and you see her kind of, she's, she's sort of peering through the, the leaves of the tree, sort of seeing what's about to happen. And as the dad opens the door, you see the first trap set up and a giant ax comes down. He quickly moves his briefcase to, to protect himself. Um, as you see the, the ax kind of lodge itself into, into the briefcase. Um, and he's definitely like, he's taken by surprise, but he's sort of immediately like, unfazed by it it's sort of starting to cue in this idea that this sort of happens on a daily basis that this isn't the first time that they've done this as the father walks around the house you see where his the kids are even trying to booby trap him and so the dog they're all they're (laughs) the dog everybody is trying to is trying to uh uh, i don't know what what do we say they want to injure it or or get rid of the dad in order to claim the money hi hon hi honey Snowball. Nerd alert. Hello, Father. You know, Socrates said. Anyways, we'll uh, we'll talk later. <gasps> I didn't do it. Ladder. Life insurance so good. They're going to want you dead. I love you too, guys. But seriously, intentionally killing a policyholder will void all life insurance benefits. There's something about just like dad, you know, and and the actor that we casted in in this was just so good. And every time he would just, you know, act the scene perfectly, we were like, oh my God, he's just so dad. Right. And that just adds this, this extra layer of humor. Um, and what I, what I think he actually played out incredibly well is, um, you know, what, what Chelsea has talked about is this love for his family. Like this is a guy that comes home, you know, day after day to this house that's been booby-trapped by his whole family. Um, and he still continues to show up and he still loves them and humors them. And I think that's that's a big uh, part of what life insurance is about, right? It's this idea of being all in, right? Is no matter what, you're going to be there for them. Uh, and it's very selfless, right? So that was also a way to illustrate um, this feeling that you get when you get life insurance, which is, you know, no matter what they all put me through, I'm going to be there for them no matter what. And so we just felt like this dad character was able to convey that that feeling and toe that line really, really well. Yeah, he reminded me. He reminded me of uh, uh, Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very just, much so. <laughs> yeah, it's that goofiness, and and but he just he just takes the hits and keeps on moving without yeah. a blink. Yeah, exactly. and that was that was a key part of of the casting. Um, and we we knew that the dad was going to be so crucial to get the right tone. Um, and when we when we saw him in in the casting session, I mean he he immediately got the character, and he was able. I mean the the 
um, the playfulness that he was able to bring. He was sort of brought in some, some improv along the way. He immediately got the spirit of it. And there's been a second spot that's been released relatively uh, relatively recently. Uh, Olivia, can you tell us um, a little bit about Crocodile? Yes. Um, so uh, for this one, as, as Chelsea said, we we are now for the rest of the saga focusing on this kind of like one moment now that we've established what, what goes on in this house. So we have dad, um, you know, showing up, uh, entering the home as a bit of a nod to the first movie. He's dressed in a very similar way with his briefcase. Um, and as he enters, he actually realizes that there's some romantic music playing. <laughs> and you, you look up at the stairs um, and there's some candlelight and some rose petals. And so he gets really excited. And he's like, ooh, and, you know, takes his tie off and starts uh, climbing to the bedroom to uh, to find his his wife in bed. And as he pulls out the cover, it, un- it unveils an alligator uh, with which dad has a bit of a, of a tumble. Uh, but of course, you know, uh, escapes, uh, you know, uh, un- uninjured. I'm home. Ooh. Lead me to night under the light. Well, hello. <laughs> Ladder. Life insurance so good, they're gonna want you dead. <laughs> I'm okay, guys. <laughs> But seriously, intentionally killing a policyholder will void all life insurance benefits. You see mom peering out from the bathroom as, as dad is being attacked by this crocodile. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. And I, I love that. I love that line. Life insurance so good, they're going to want you dead. I mean, uh, that's like, how was there? Because we hear we, we hear frequently on the show about lines that are really compelling, but somebody says you can't use it mm-hmm. or somebody pushes back because that's a super brave line, super compelling, super distinctive. It, it closes it all out perfectly. Were there any sort of camps that were resistant mm-hmm. of being that overt about it? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we had to work <laughs> with legal and compliance yeah. on it. Um, but, but again, what, what was really amazing there is, you know, our general counsel, rather than saying, hey, no, that's not something you can do uh, with everything we, we bring to her on the marketing side. She really seeks to understand, OK, what is the risk? What are we trying to do? Why? I get it. Now let's figure out how we make it happen. Um, and how we could make something like that happen is by making sure we had a very clear um, disclaimer um, uh, afterwards. And what's really fantastic, I think, is we've succeeded in having a really strong, uh, a really you know obvious, clear, effective legal disclaimer. So what's really interesting is something that you know was initially a necessary evil. You know, having having to have a, a legal disclaimer became uh, you know an asset uh, of the ad. And I think Adweek you know named us out of the day when when this commercial initially came out and actually named our legal disclaimer the best legal disclaimer in ad history, uh, which was <laughs> which was really fun. And it reminds me of you know like Virgin America back then was one of my hero brands and you know they were the first to to take this this necessary evil of a security video um, yeah, and yeah. turn it turn it into a cornerstone of the brand right and i've always loved that and i always hope that sometimes in my career i'd be able to to judo something like that and uh that was that was a very special moment for me which brings up a really interesting point which is when virgin did that everybody started to do that and I'm curious, have you noticed any competitors starting to sort of come out with more edgier work since you guys launched with these? That's a great question. 
I haven't seen anything new that's sort of edging more towards our way. Um, there's definitely, there's, there's a couple of the newer brands that are, we're already playing in the humor world, but it's a very different tone um, than this campaign. Um, but we haven't seen anything on our side yet that's starting to, but not to say that it, that it won't happen. Yeah, because it's pretty, pretty early days to, uh, still. What, what about uh, the target audience? We touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, is, is, there, is there anything interesting or distinctive in how you think about your target audience? Uh, not, not in particular. I mean, we, we really, um, you know, we're servicing a, a younger audience, uh, the, the traditional life insurance industry, you know, through agents like tends to, you know, serve people that are kind of 50, 50 and up. And so we, we, we really trying to capture um, this, this younger generation of, of families. So people who are getting married, people who are getting mortgages, people who are getting kids, right, moving through these life stages for the first time. Um, and as long as as they're doing these things, chances are that people depend on them financially and they're going to need life insurance. So I actually see um, our product as as one of kind of mass market appeal and potential, uh, which is also why brand becomes even more important. The conventional wisdom is that... Um that creative work and marketing in general has got to be three things in order to be effective. So it's got to be distinctive. It's got to be recognizable to the brand. It's got to be memorable. So this ticks off all of those boxes. It's terrific work. Thank you to Olivia uh, Borgi, uh, VP Marketing at Ladder. Are you in San Francisco, Olivia? At Menlo Park, right, right next door. And Chelsea Steiger, Creative Director at Fred and Farid in Los Angeles, uh, an agency I think we'll hear a lot more of in the future. Thank you to both of you for joining us today. Terrific work. We're excited to, to have had this conversation. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Fergus. Such a pleasure. And we'll see everybody on the next episode.